feet of truth. We had a promise made for us and then away, both under influence. We had divine said to know what to say. Mind is a race away to call for hands of above. Take our barrenness and fill it with your fruitfulness. Take our blindness and waywardness and guide our steps into your holy way. Amen. When I looked at the new sheet last Sunday and saw it said uh, for today, the preacher, John Tiller, bursting with life, I thought there's a challenge for a septuagenarian preacher. But of course, it's nothing to do with one's physical age. Bursting with life is a text for that reading there from Isaiah 35, that beautiful song which the prophet sings to the way in which God brings life in the desert, brings a landscape bursting with life. And of course, the people who listened to him singing that song were well aware in their own landscape of the way in which in those parts of the world a very barren prospect can be transformed on those rare occasions when rain comes and seeds that have been lying dormant suddenly germinate and burst into life and we saw some of the results uh, on the screen there just now. But the song of the wilderness meant more to them than just the landscape in which they lived. It inevitably spoke to them 
of the way in which God had dealt with them in the past. The way in which God had rescued them from slavery in Egypt and brought them out on a journey through the wilderness to reach the promised land. And the annual Passover meal which they celebrated was not just to remember the redemption from slavery in Egypt, but was also a regular reminder that they followed the same God who had led them through the desert and kept them safe and still leads them today. And so in the day of Isaiah, there were troubles and dangers facing the people. We read in the next chapter how the Assyrian king Sennacherib came up and overran the whole country and besieged Jerusalem. And King Hezekiah turned helplessly to Isaiah for spiritual guidance. And this song assures them that whatever the dangers, be strong, those with feeble knees and faint hearts, because God will save you. It's, um, echo, it's the same theme as that hymn we often sing, Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. The same God is still with us. And Paul says in the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10, that the experience of the Israelites on that journey through the wilderness, led by Moses, were an example to us as believers in Christ. For we each have to make the same journey of faith in our own spiritual lives, through what John Bunyan describes in Pilgrim's Progress as the wilderness of this world. And God is with us to lead us and can make that experience of the desert burst with life. In the New International Version, which we have in our church, the chapter is headed, The Joy of the Redeemed. And so let's look at this song in a little more detail in the light of what redemption can mean for us today. Recently, I looked at a tourist brochure which advertised luxury nights in the desert. And I imagine they had chosen that title to catch your eye and think, well, how can you have a luxury night in the desert? It seems strange. It's against all expectations. No doubt they'd done something wonderful with modern technology and resources damaging to the environment to provide you with a luxury night in the desert. But anyway... One's instinctive thoughts are the desert is not a hospitable place. It's not a place I want to be. It's dangerous and scary. And so I ask myself, what are the, really the biggest problems, if we apply that image to our spiritual lives, what are the biggest problems about being in the desert? And it came to me that there are really two major difficulties to be overcome. The first is, obviously, lack of water. The danger of dying from thirst. Dehydration, to give it its technical term. But Isaiah sings of a desert where water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. He offers a prospect of a place where water comes flowing in. Water is life. Where there is water, plants will grow. Food will be provided. And when the streams flow, there's a miracle of transformation. 
And so where in our lives, when we're in desert times, when we have no sustenance in God, where are we to find the water of life? God is sovereign. He pours out his renewing grace according to his own designs. But he's also faithful. And he hears us when we call out to him in our parched life. You remember Jesus spoke of giving the living water when he was talking to the woman at the well in Samaria. He said, that water will be in you a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And he was speaking of his Holy Spirit coming to indwell believers and to be an unfailing supply to thirsty pilgrims. And Paul uses that figure of the Israelites being supplied by God with water in the desert as uh, from the rock which Moses struck and the water gushed out. He says they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ. He says, yes, there's an image for us there of how we can drink from the well which Christ provides. But he goes on to warn us not to take this blessing for granted. He goes on to point out that the people of Israel in the wilderness became rebellious. They became weary of their journey. They turned to idol worship. They grumbled against their leader. And they tested the Lord with their lack of faith. Even though they received those blessings, the, the water gushing from the rock. And so Paul says, if you think, to his readers, to his Christian readers, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you think you can rely on that flow of life for your spirit from God to a thirsty soul, remember that you need to be in the right attitude to God. You need to be seeking his will. You need to be rejecting those temptations to destroy your faith and to bring you uh, to destruction. Well, do you want to see our parched land blossom today? Do you want to see streams springing up in your life, in the life of the church, in the life of our world? Isaiah sings of a God who redeems his people. He gives strength to the feeble knees and the feeble hands and the knees that give way. He heals our deafness and blindness so that we can join in the praises of Zion. Do these things seem impossible? Be strong, he says. Do not fear. Your God will come. The Advent hope. So there's the problem of dehydration. But I think the other great danger in the wilderness is that you get lost. There are no landmarks. How do you find your way out? Where do you go? Disorientation. But Isaiah sings in this song of a clear pathway. A highway will be there called the way of holiness. The end of that verse 8 is obscure and is translated differently in almost every English translation you look at. But one says, no traveller shall go astray. Another translation says, it will become a pilgrim's way. There is an appointed road provided by God through the desert. And we have the means to follow it through the teaching of the scriptures and the guidance of our Lord. 
A bit further on in this book of Isaiah, when we get to chapter 40, we read about a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And of course the Gospels apply that text to the ministry of John the Baptist, the herald of the coming of the Messiah, preaching prepare the way of the Lord. But it's also a call to us, a call to us to follow in this way of holiness which God provides, declaring that the rough ground must become level and the rugged places are plain. The other day I came across a helpful interpretation of that text for us today, talking about making the rough ground level and the rugged places are plain. It says, removing the boulders and filling in the potholes. The boulders are the things in our lives that block spiritual progress, the things we have done and are doing and should not do. And the potholes are the gaps, the things we failed to do, which we should, the missed opportunities. And as we seek to prepare the way of the Lord through the desert, there are these things in our lives which can cause problems, which need to be put right, the blocks removed and the potholes filled in. As we prepare the way of the Lord, there's a lot of road mending for most of us to do. So there may be things in our lives blocking progress in our pilgrimage. Or there may be things preventing the streams of living water springing up to irrigate our barren souls. We need God's help to enable us to see exactly where we are in need and his grace to reform us so that we can walk with the redeemed on the pilgrim road to heaven. Jesus says in John's Gospel that he came that we may have life and have it to the full. He wants us to be bursting with life. It's his will. But how does that square when the times are really tough, when we're going through the testing time, when we're challenged in our faith? What about those who have to bear years of sickness and infirmity? In our prayers today, we're going to especially be thinking about Christians who are persecuted for their faith, suffering torture in their bodies, separated from their families, under physical attack, or enduring the rigours of many years spent in prison. How can their wilderness, how, for Christians in those situations, how can it be said to blossom? Well, I have to say the amazing fact is that many believers have found their greatest joy in the Lord precisely when their faith has been most costly in terms of pain and suffering. I could quote Paul writing to the Philippian church from his prison that he rejoices in the Lord because he's learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And of course there's the testimony of many modern day martyrs to the strength that Christ gives. But I want to end this morning with an example taken from the 17th century which fits the theme of this scripture very well. It's about a man named Samuel Rutherford who was a Scottish Presbyterian minister and he was sent to prison in Aberdeen because he opposed 
the attempts being made to impose bishops on the church and the Book of Common Prayer. We Anglicans might not be uh, that troubled by such a prospect, but he was very troubled in soul, poor man. And because of his opposition to the policy, he was sent to prison. His hardships weren't extreme by what some Christians have had to go through, and he was released when the Civil War began. But while he was in prison there, he was very distressed because he missed so much the fellowship of his congregation many miles away at a place called Anwath on the Solway Firth. And the letters he wrote to his beloved brothers and sisters in Christ have become a classic of Christian writing. <laughs> he refers in those letters to his prison as Christ's palace because of the wonderful communion he was having with his Lord while he was there. The Lord who was very present to, with him in the jail. And he tells his flock what a rich time spiritually he is having. Let me just read a short passage from him. Since I came to this prison, I have conceived a new and extraordinary opinion of Christ, which I didn't have before. We tend to postpone all our joys till we be in our house above, thinking there's nothing of it here to be sought or found, but only hope and fair promises, and that Christ will give us here nothing but tears, sadness and crosses, and that we shall never feel the smell of the flowers of that high garden of paradise till we come there. But I find that it is possible to have young glory and a young green paradise of joy, even here, a drink of the well of life. I never believed till now that there was so much to be found in Christ on this side of death and heaven. That was Rutherford's experience in prison, cut off from the ministry he believed God had called him to, left there in a stinking, unsavoury place, and knowing it to be the very portals of heaven. There writes a man who went into the wilderness for Christ and found the desert was bursting with life because of the glory of Christ's presence shining around him. So let us today prepare the way of the Lord. Let's give thanks that whatever we find on our road, whatever life throws at us, Christ is offering to walk with us and with his gracious presence to turn our desert into a garden, to enable us to discover wherever we are that we can have life in all its fullness. Glory to his name. Amen.